You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning, and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the topic at hand is the topic of investing in what is one of the most, if not the most valuable asset that most homeowners have, and that is the home itself. It it seems that over the last um, few years, and, and in fact over the last several decades, people have recognized the value of investing in their existing home and as the economy took a downturn uh, a decade ago um, and specifically uh, a deep dive in, in 2008 um, a lot of people pulled back but people have begun to realize that investing in your home to improve comfort or livability or value is a very high priority and so today we're going to focus on what one firm is doing to help people transform their houses into more of their dream homes, if you will. So I'm very pleased to have as my guest, architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group, Rick Goldstein. Welcome to the Business Hour, Rick. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate being here. Well, Rick, um, first of all, do you agree that uh, people might have pulled back uh, as we had a little bit of an economic downturn and that things are coming back around and that uh, people are investing in improvements to their home, both uh, just because they put it on the back burner, but also because they came to realization that, hey, this, this is my singular biggest investment, and it's, it's, it's a stable investment. Yeah, I think um, over the last several years, we've uh, begun to see um, a, a change in how people are reinvesting in their homes and what type of projects they're doing. Um, back in 2008, 9, and 10, um, the economy sort of went on hold. And the last two or three years, uh, we certainly are starting to see an increase in uh, sort of built-up, um, pent-up demand. And that's been a good thing for uh, you know, a number of companies and tradespeople and so forth. Um. I think it would uh, benefit um, uh, listeners. Uh, we should probably talk about uh, the thrust of what the Mosaic Group does in terms of design, build, and uh, giving a little bit of an explanation of exactly what design, build is it will help us um, in the course of the program to understand um in large measure what it is that distinguishes the Mosaic Group from a lot of um, remodeling or renovation groups, uh, many of which have uh, an architect and get involved in design. You you almost can't avoid the, uh, the design aspect, but yours is a more integrated ab- approach, and let's talk about your uh, approach to design-build. Sure. I think uh, everybody has a little bit different approach to the concept of design-build, um, at its most basic level, uh, it, it requires designers or architects uh, and people who are actually going to construct the project. And what, ours, what our company has done is we've integrated that and brought, brought it all under one roof where we're able to address uh, the design issues, the budget issues, and the implementation of the construction issues 
um, all in a one-stop shop environment. And what that means is instead of uh, what may have been a more traditional approach where someone might uh, start off with an architect, um, design what it is that they were after, and then put it out for bid with multiple contractors, we actually work through the design, the pricing, and the construction all to make it real and to make it achievable from the very beginning. Uh, that one uh, approach alone um, has got to make a big difference. Uh, nobody um, uh, likes surprises, uh, particularly when it comes to big budget items. So putting your arms around the budget uh, for a project uh, like a home remodeling is has got to create a, a measure of comfort to homeowners to know, okay, this is a this is what we were talking about. This is what we were thinking of doing. You helped us clarify that vision. This is what it should cost us, and then you 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 have an expectation that that is fulfilled. Um, hopefully, my guess is that y- you all are better about staying on budget than a lot of firms, just because of the emphasis you place on detailing that budget. Walk us through a little bit of that process, those 20 questions uh, in the earliest stages. Let's say I come to you, um, and and by the way, most of our listeners know that we're broadcasting from uh, the North Metro Atlanta area, from Sandy Springs, uh, here just outside of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and that uh, this is a uh, a very fertile uh, market. Um, uh, if you will, for remodeling and renovation simply because it's been an active home building market for decades. The population continues to grow. Some of the homes were built well enough that they're worthy of remodeling. Um, and and that, that has to be somewhat a premise um, that the home has good bones and, and aspects to it that are worth embellishing. Uh but a lot of people m- are going through the process of uh, to build or not to build or to remodel or not to remodel and to build or not to build. Uh, those are budget considerations. But it's more than budget considerations. There are probably people who know that, oh, this will k- take us uh, one, $400,000. Uh, we could uh, apply that to a, a new home some of whom decide, okay, just because it's that amount, it might be worth building a new home. Others whom feel, no, we love what we have, and we want to um, modify it in a way to make it more livable, more energy efficient, more comfortable, whatever. Take us through those earliest stages where we're a homeowner in this market that may or may not own one of the numerous uh, brick ranch homes, many of which can be modified in, in beautiful ways, um, and they're thinking they need a new kitchen, but in thinking about that new kitchen, it made them think about the adjacent den and the adjacent patio, and then they thought, well, if we're going to have you in here, maybe we should have you do a, help us improve the master bedroom. And so all of a sudden, whereas they were thinking it was just a kitchen, there are a few options that are entertaining, and they're looking for you to for some guidance. Walk us through that that conversation. Sure. Um, 
You know, mo- we find most people have a fairly good idea of what it is they'd like to do or what the problems are with their current homes. Um, the Atlanta metro area, especially the north metro area, um, tends to have a, an older housing stock, which means the homes were built um, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And the way people lived at that time is different than the way people tend to live now. Um, the style of living, where people tend to spend more of their time, um, how the kitchen is used differently now uh, than it may have been used before. And so I think people have gotten a good sense of what doesn't work in their homes for themselves and a general ideas of what it is they'd like to modify. Uh, what most people don't know or don't understand um, is what things cost. And that's where a company like ours comes in and, and can help them understand it, help them sort of get the most value for what their um, investment parameters are. We found a lot of people know what it is they'd like to spend, but don't really know what they can get for it and how far it can um, reach. So our approach at, at, at the beginning of every project, uh, whenever we meet somebody, is to really be good listeners, is to understand what it is they're after, um, what their time frame is, what, what their um, discomfort is with their current living situation, and really be more of a consultant than anything else to help them through the process to determine um, how best to uh, move through this. So, Ron, as you mentioned, is it better to renovate? Is it better to move? Um, you know, what are the priorities of, of the occupants? And our experience has told us that at least clients that are better fits for what we tend to do, which is the larger scale projects, um, are people who want to stay in their homes. They want to kind of nest. They love their neighborhoods. They love their neighbors. They love being where they are. Um, they've explored buying new houses. They've looked at what it costs to move, sell their home, um, the disruption it causes, and they've settled on um, remodeling as their best approach. And that's really a great beginning point for us. And, and they're not necessarily looking for a economic return on the investment because they want to invest in such a way that it's a quality project and they're getting more of a comfort return on investment, uh, if you will. Would, would, would that be a fair statement? It's fair. Uh, there, there's also there's a, a balance, you know, a very delicate balance where, you know, people have learned, you know, all through their lives, you know, don't be the most, most expensive house on the street. Uh, make sure that if you have to be able to, you know, have to sell your house, uh, you'll be able to get a good amount back out of it. Um, but return on investment, um, immediate return on investment, is typically not a great um, priority for uh, remodeling a home if you're planning to stay there. So if, if it's a, a two-year uh, return on investment or a flip, um, really not a great idea for a large-scale remodel. But if someone wants to stay there for a longer period of time, and wait for the market um, and appreciation to kick in, then 
return on investment is certainly a factor, but usually not the uh, the highest priority of factors. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that that return on investment because you you invariably must have that conversation with some homeowners who are thinking that, well, we want to do some things that we can enjoy for the next uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but at some point in time, we'll want to, we'll want to do things that improve the marketability of the house as well, and, and you help people avoid making the mistakes of putting too much money into something where there there will be no real return on the investment um, unless, of course, they just want that aspect uh, for the comfort factor. Um, but do you, do you have clients, uh, customers, who um, they're not as interested uh, in the, the, the actual uh, economics in terms of the return on the investment and they don't have uh, family members breathing down their neck uh, that are, are, are interested in the return on that investment? And so... Why not be the most expensive house in the neighborhood? Why not live and die in your uh, in your dream home? Uh, I mean, do you encounter a few uh, customers that have that attitude? We do, actually, more more than you'd think. Um, a good portion of of what we've seen are baby boomers, and the baby boomers who have done well, and they're getting close to retirement age, or they're in retirement age, and they have a nest egg that's set aside and they want to modify their homes so that they can stay in them um, until they have to be taken out. And those types of people are, are certainly more invested in the comfort and the features than specifically the um, return on investment because they may never see the return on investment. We're going to be taking a break, um, Rick, but uh, when we come back, let's let's talk about the, the, the baby boomer specifically who is uh, investing in their home uh, and possibly without uh, looking toward uh, that economic return on investment. Uh, but some of their aspects of what it is that, that go, go into uh, creating the actual design and the budget. Uh, we'll walk through the process uh, in a little more detail. We're here with Rick Goldstein, the architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group. We'll be back with Rick right after this break. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory. 
ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Rick Goldstein, the architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group that is a Atlanta-based home remodeling, renovation, uh, design-build firm, and we've been talking uh, a little bit about what defines design-build and ab- about the approach that the Mosaic Group takes in helping its customers determine what it is that's going to be done and what the budget is attached to that that vision so rick you take this approach where design and pricing are done uh side by side and you mentioned that 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 therefore the budget is is determined up front which i'm certain some firms must take that same approach but tell us uh again based on that discussion we talked about um, which is uh, starts with twenty questions. Is what you're thinking of doing bigger than a bread box, and how much money do you have? You know, those are uh, the kinds of questions that, if you got clear answers, like this is what we're thinking of doing, and this is how much we have, make your life much easier. But you probably don't get that, right? Uh, we we have to go through a process to get that information. Certainly, um, I'd say more times than not, there there are some people who know exactly what they want. They know exactly what they want to spend. Um, we we tend to try to help people prioritize because there's usually a grocery list of items that um, one wants to accomplish, and we try to prioritize that in such a way that says, well, if we can't do all of them. Let's make sure we do the most important ones, and let's also make sure that things relate to one another uh, as we go through that process so that we can accomplish the most that we can do, we can get the most value out of what they're doing, and we can do it in a very professional and and creative manner um, and and minimize impact to people's lives because what what we do tends to be very um, impactful um, both during the process and when it's completed. Um, which brings me to a, a question that we could get into a little bit more later, but we, we might address it now, and that is if you're helping um, a customer determine um, the most logical approach, uh, logic en- encompassing um, your desire and your available budget, and you know, one thing you mentioned earlier uh, was determining what a customer's discomforts were you know what, what what an important aspect like what is it that bothers you that you know you you want to see fixed and then you mentioned tying things together um do you ever get to a point where uh, you make a recommendation for how about let's tackle this in phase one and consider that later on in phase two uh, so 
uh, is the phase process uh, at all an approach that's a consideration? Uh, yes, it, it, it's it's done um, actually very often. Um, people who intend to stay in their homes for a long time, uh, maybe the, some of the younger um, clients that we have, uh, want to think about how their lives and families may change over the course of living in this particular home. And so we'll design and spend a lot of upfront time in the planning stages uh, developing what, what's referred to as a master plan. And the master plan is trying to anticipate uh, life cycle needs and life cycle changes and putting pieces together in a way that can be phased without having to undo something that's already been done. Um, we've learned and, and we've experienced with people who have worked with other contractors and architects in the past, and they said, if only we would have thought about the next step, if only we would have considered uh, what to do next or after this project, we might not have built what we built the same way we did it. So we, we very much try to create a holistic approach even if the projects are going to be phased over time and I'd say a high percentage of our clients um, come back and implement a phase two or a phase three and they're not always exactly as they were envisioned at the very beginning um, but at, at least they're similar or close to the way we, we started. Well things change, tastes change, uh, circumstances change and uh, it occurred to me while you were talking about the master plan that in some sense y you almost get put in the position of like a financial planner of sorts when you're talking about the phased-in process because the economics of this are so inextricably linked to the actual project that you know, you're talking about the practicality of, of a first phase and, and waiting uh, to where it's economically uh, more doable for, for a second phase. You have um, a single team that is, is dedicated uh, to, to each project. Is that right? Tell us a little bit about that approach because that's part of um, working with the customer to ensure that you achieve the right master plan and then the execution of that plan. Yes, absolutely correct. Um, we put together a team at the very beginning. Uh, the team starts off with sort of a, a client representative, um, an account manager, a remodeling consultant um, that is the first person to visit with um, a homeowner and listen, understand, uh, make sure the project is feasible. And when the project becomes feasible, we then have an architect, uh, if it's appropriate. We have a, an interior designer, a uh, kitchen and bath designer um, to help go through the whole process of planning. We have an estimator that also sort of grounds our projects uh, from the very beginning. We, we, we all want to stretch the envelope. We all want to uh, help develop the best project that we can. Um, so our team works very closely and collaboratively uh, both together internally and with our clients to 
you know, help them uh, achieve, you know, the best that, that they can actually get. Do you find um, that in the course, is it almost um, inevitable that in, in the case of many projects, maybe not all, that someone was um, thinking of the black countertop, the black granite countertop in the middle of, and, and, and now they're looking at it and they're thinking, oh, I'd like to change that? Are there still changes that go on in, in, in process? Um, there are some changes. Um, we try very, very hard, and we, we may be, um, you know, unlike many other companies, that we try very, very hard and very diligently to help make all of these selections up front. So we'll, we'll get samples, we'll put them together, we'll have color samples, granite samples, tile samples, put them all together in pallets so that people understand how they all go together and that, that reduces changes dramatically um, and gives a, a real sense of comfort uh, because these are you know, fairly big dollar items and uh, nobody likes changes after they're put in. You work with an army. It has also occurred to me as we were talking about your team and, and we can go through and talk about uh, the key members of your team, um, but I don't want to forget... Uh, when you're talking about tiles and, and countertops and um, wallpaper or paint, um, you know, many of the people uh, that are involved hands-on are your people, but many of the people that are involved hands-on are people that you subcontract out to, plus the army of vendors that are supplying um, uh, all manner of different uh, materials. That alone, um, and the ability to work with a quality group of vendors, a quality group of subcontracted, um, skilled craftspeople. We had a, a, a recent guest. We had the folks from Brightwater Homes. And I dare say that you, you all share the same um, passion and, and philosophy for quality. And we, we, we talked a little bit about that army that you coordinate, that you are project managers uh, through much of this. Yes, th this is something that um, it really takes years and years to develop. Um, there are lots of uh, trade contractors out and about, and it takes a, a long, long time to train these people in the way that we do business, to find the high-quality ones, to, to find a team. And that's really what we've built is a team of people that all can work together, that support one another, that uh, help one another and fill in the blanks between trades. Um, we've been in business uh, continuously for, I believe, almost 30 years. And the difference between a startup company and someone who's been in business a long time is exactly what you're talking about, is this army of um, trade partners and vendor partners that they're really what our company is about. Um, if it weren't for them, you know, then we wouldn't have a, a company. We're, we would plan it, and the execution phase um, would, would just drop off. So people who tend to have, you know, one projects and hire one plumber, they don't have the allegiance that we've built over the years um, to have these people do it not only the way we want it, but in the time frame that we need it and to the quality level and the level of service that we demand. 
Rick, we're going to be taking another break. When we come back, though, let's talk a little bit about, let's actually name some of the people that are involved on on your team, um, the Mosaic Group team, which is somewhat like the nuclear family with your other subcontracted, valued subcontracted craftspeople being like your extended family as well as the vendors because I'm certain that you must have you know, great relationships with some suppliers of, of materials um, that you've cultivated through the years. Um, and that it all adds up to a much smoother, more cost-effective, you know, just better executed project. But we'll talk about the, the you know, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your, uh, your co-founder and uh, about some of the key people at the Mosaic Group. We're here with Rick Goldstein, architect uh, with the Mosaic Group and the co-founder. We'll be back with Rick right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com. Brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we're here with Rick Goldstein, architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group, an Atlanta-based remodeling, renovations, and design-build firm. And... We're probably going to mention design firm uh, throughout the the remainder of the program once or twice because it, it is integral to the approach that the Mosaic Group takes uh, with painstaking uh, efforts to determine uh, what it is that a customer wants and ascribing a budget to it and creating uh, an architectural plan. You know, something where it's one thing to. Uh, have a uh, dream kitchen in mind, but it's another thing to translate it into an actual architectural plan and then to execute from those uh, those details. 
and before the break, we were talking about um, Rick's team, and I wanted to have you go through um, who is on the uh, the the nuclear family team, so to speak, uh, at, at the Mosaic Group, and also uh, mention your co-founder because he certainly deserves some credit for uh, helping to create uh, a successful firm. He certainly does. Uh, my business partner, William Fadul, and I have uh, shared this company, uh, Mosaic Group, for the better part of 10 years together, where we each came to the table with our own companies prior to, and um, formed a, a new company together and then uh, renamed it um, back in, I believe, 2008. Uh, perfect timing, right Right as the uh, market crashed, we, we changed our names. Um, you know, no better time than the present was our saying. Well, it probably didn't hurt you. I, I mean, people were probably pulling back anyway gave them time to adjust and I might add that it's in many ways it, it's really perfectly suited for a, a, a business uh, of uh, your nature because it's a mosaic you know uh, remodeling, renovating uh, helping to design and build a house is, is, is a mosaic and that's how we see it and, and um, we appreciate the people that sort of uh, understand the metaphor and understand that what we do really is. It's artistic. It's bringing, uh, you know, separate pieces together in a way that creates something that uh, as a whole is better than any of the parts individually. Back to your uh, your nuclear family. Um, and and it, I, I do have a sense you're like a family um, at the Mosaic Group. Uh, and a lot of businesses really are. You know, they're closely knit, and uh, they operate uh, either as a functional or a dysfunctional family, and I have the impression you are a highly functional family. Um, you had talked about um, interior designers and, and architects. Uh, who are some of the other key people? And, of course, you know, there there are bookkeepers. I mean, it, it is a business. There are people that do the kinds of things that um, uh, every business uh, requires, uh, but you have some other um, more uh, building-related personnel. Uh, we do. I think in any small business, um, the intent is to have you know nobody extra and just have on staff what's what's needed to perform the work that uh, needs to be done in, in a way that um, that you want to uh, put it out there. And our team certainly is uh, very close-knit. We're, I think, very functional in most ways, and we certainly have our um, sense of dysfunction as we, uh, you know, continue to try to, you know, perfect what we do. Um, but you're absolutely correct is that we have, you know, a bookkeeper and uh, someone at, at the front office that's sort of our director of first impressions. Um, we have a team of designers and estimators and interior designers um, as well as our, our production team um, comprised of uh, project managers who are the ones on site day to day orchestrating um, the work and we also have a director of production who oversees and manages and uh, mentors our production staff. We have an in-house uh, carpenter that fills in between um, different trades and um, 
really, it, it, it's a nice, small company that um, everybody works very, very closely together because it's a very complex um, delivery of what we do. You have a, um, a set of what you call guiding principles. Will you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what those six guiding principles are? Sure. Um, it, it may have been six or seven years ago, and we were working on a company mission statement. And we realized that a mission statement um, really only goes so far. So we started researching other you know, really good companies and out of our industry to understand what they did and how did they become good companies or great companies. Um, and we, we realized that the really great ones had um, what were con- called guiding principles, sort of a, a, a north star to uh, focus your direction on to help, to help guide the company and make decisions um, for everybody sort of independently and so that we were all consistent. And we came up uh, together as a company. Um, this took about three months, and we all worked on it together. We all put our input in and um, shared ideas and came up with, uh, I'll go through them very, very quickly and simply, Uh, but our first one is practicing exceptional and sustainable design-build practices. Our second one is delighting our clients. Our third is building win-win relationships with our business partners, creating consistent and solid profits, sharing a fantastic work environment, and lastly, being actively involved in our community. And each, each of these different things really shapes um, how we interact with one another and how we make decisions on a daily basis. You know, we have been talking about um, the number one uh, principle of practicing exceptional and sustainable design build practices, but we haven't talked about delighting our clients. Uh Tell us a little bit about uh, how you determined you wanted to have as one of your pillars uh, delighted uh, clients. Um, This is really one of the most difficult ones because our business model is probably one of the last types of business models where you're designing and building a custom piece in someone's home under their noses uh, while they live there. Um, so very different than creating a product. It's, it's highly service-related, and it's all about setting, creating, and maintaining expectations. So we find that um, if we can delight our clients, set the right expectations, and deliver on those expectations, then our best word of mouth comes from our past clients, and the experience that they have um, is delightful, and it's it's really hard to achieve when you're creating dust and mayhem in someone's house. That's right. In fact, that that brings me to something that I've oftentimes heard from uh, a variety of friends that uh, have engaged in the process, and that is that it's a pain in the butt. Uh, that um, that. Uh, They'll only do it once. Um, th- that's not entirely true. I have had some. I mean, it, for for all of the of, of the, the folks that I've talked to, um, but basically, people feel like it's uh, a somewhat of an intrusion. W- what do you do? 
um, is it simply attention to detail and working with your your clients uh, more closely so you know that uh, this Wednesday uh, could you do this or not do that? Uh, how, how do you help make it more bearable? Um, lots and lots of ways that, that we've employed over the years. Um, we have a lot of interaction um, with our clients. We have a project manager who's dedicated to a specific project and is in touch with that particular client every day. Um, we tend to be very communicative and set expectations, let people know what's coming up, what's about to happen, how it's going to happen. Um, we receive a lot of input. Um, we try very hard to prevent dust. We try to listen. We try to get a lot of client buy-in as we go through the process so that there are really very few, if any, surprises. Um, we found that nobody likes surprises. And if, if everyone's on board and we're all on the same page, then the process and the service um, all seems to fall into place. Do you, do you have a, an understanding with some of your customers uh, much like um, you shouldn't expect to have any guests over the next month or two or don't expect to have any dinner parties over the next uh, 30 to 60 days? Is that one of the understandings that you are something like the kind of understanding you have with a customer? It is, and, and we certainly try when we manage expectations to um, be very realistic about it, and we try not to sugarcoat things. We try to be um, brutally honest at times, and if people understand what's going to happen and then it happens just like we've promised, um, even if it's bad news, you know, we tend to share bad news before it happens. And there's always things that happen that are unexpected. And the better prepared everybody is during the process, um, if someone's in your house for three months, four months, six months, um, it's disruptive. It's displacing. It's, you know, it's very difficult um, to come home to that every day. And we just try to put ourselves in their shoes and when we're able to do that, um, I think we've found to be much more successful. Yeah, I was uh, working out of the home recently, and it just so happened that I needed to have the HVAC guy, the Sears repairman for my relatively new refrigerator, and I also had um, the uh, fellow that was coming. Oh, the electrical guys needed to show up for something that suddenly... Um, was a problem, uh, and they had just put in, uh, not just put in, but it's the same company that put in a large uh, uh, switchboard uh, for the house. And so they were all in there at one time. I happened to be working out of the house. And I'll say it was a little disconcerting. It was just uh, four guys, but four guys shouting uh, to each other, walking up and down, you know, in the house. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's it, you, you want to make sure that the people you're working with are sensitive to what's going on and can help minimize, I guess, the discomfort. Yeah, and, and you're right. It, it, it's like a symphony. There's so much organization and things that happen during the course of a project that um, the more people understand, the more involved they are, uh, the, the less disappointed they'll be in things when, when they don't happen. Um, so it's, it's a trust-building issue as well. 
We're going to be taking a break, um, but when we come back, um, I want to follow up. We were talking about the baby boomers. I want to get a little bit of an overview of um, whether you're working with 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings, or 70-somethings doing anything to their homes because they realize they might be around when they're 90-something. A um, little bit of a overview on the on the demographics. And then uh, talk a little bit about what's, uh, what's popular these days, indoors and outdoors. We're here with Rick Goldstein, architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group. We'll be back with Rick right after this break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system. Today's consumers find themselves faced with a greater variety of choices than ever before, both in the food they eat and the information they receive about that food. Feedstuff's FoodLink was created to provide you with a balanced source of information for making decisions about your family's balanced diet. Visit FeedstuffsFoodLink.com to learn about your food directly from the source, the people who work every day to provide it. FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, connecting farm to fork. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Rick Goldstein, architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group, an Atlanta-based remodeling, renovation, design-build firm that has, uh, Rick's been sharing with us, um, the philosophy for doing business and how it is that the Mosaic Group goes about helping its clients to determine what they want to do and what the budget might be and and how how it's executed. Uh, complete with the ups and downs. Um, we were talking about uh, the disruption of two or three months or more uh, of a uh, remodeling team. Rick, uh, who's doing remodeling these days? Is it, uh, you know, I, I would have thought that it was uh, more like um, the 50 somethings uh, who have the resources and who. Uh, realize now more than ever that they could be around for another 20, 30, or 40 years or more, and so they might as well do some things to make their house more livable. Um, but it seems like you're, um, you're you're getting 40-somethings and 30-somethings even that uh, that are having that are engaging the Mosaic Group. Tell us about who you're you're working with. Yeah, I think um, we're. we're seeing a pretty wide cross-section of um, age brackets that are doing different projects. And I think the age differences may depend on the types of projects that are actually being done. Um, But we've certainly had a a fairly balanced um, amount of people, you know, between sort of the mid to upper 30s all the way through uh, probably the early 70s. 
um, and anywhere in between. Uh, the baby boomers, you know, in their 50s and 60s for sure, are probably the majority of the uh, of the remodeling um, clients. But the 40s and 30s um, are the ones having families and expanding and um, you know, they're the ones that, that actually, you know, need to make changes, uh, maybe rather than want to make changes. Yeah, expanding a house um, for kids would certainly be one of those uh, necessities. Uh, and possibly we didn't talk much about um, um, internal versus external remodeling, but uh, our, our younger families... Um, redoing their yards as well to make them more uh, comfortable for the kids? Uh, they are. Um, the outdoor projects in general, um, they, they've been very popular, you know, for the last 15 years or so. And I think they've become more and more popular for the younger families to expand their, their homes into the landscape, into the outdoors. Uh, our seasons here, our climate here, uh, very conducive um, to living outdoors, so I think that that's been um, I think a real driving factor for people to make their yards usable. Maybe they find the perfect house, but the outdoors isn't quite right, and the backyard's not quite usable. Um, and people tend to entertain more on the outside. And maybe there's a swimming pool or a play um, area put in. Um, so we actually work very closely with a landscape architect. Uh, to integrate the, the whole idea of the outdoor living space um, and landscape with a built structure. I, I was about to say that uh, the, the, the requirements for what you do uh, in an interior uh, versus an exterior can almost be um, like night and day. I mean, one might be recontouring the land and uh, building a swimming pool or water-themed structure uh, plus those outdoor environments um, we touched on, um, but it's the integration of the space. It's 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 you know the den that um, uh, is adjacent to the patio, which is adjacent to that outdoor uh, kitchen area, um, which is adjacent to the pool. It's that integration that 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 you focus on, right? Very much so. And and we find that when we collaborate well with sort of a, an outdoor landscape architect, uh, different priorities actually come up. Um, and when you're able to pull it all together and do it at the same time, I believe we always get a better overall product and a better design for you know the people who are actually doing the work as opposed to someone who just does the inside or someone who just does the outside, they tend not to relate to each other nearly as well. You know, we're going to just have to have you back for a part two and maybe part three, but I don't want to forget uh, to talk about, uh, about you personally, Rick. I, I think that in many ways um, there are aspects of your background uh, that make you – and 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 – and delightfully so, we do have guests that that fall into this category. Not everyone, but now and then we have a guest that I think is perfectly suited to be doing what they do. Like they're the best qualified to be in their role uh, because of the path that they've taken. And tell us a little bit about 
the very beginning um, when you thought that something like architecture, uh, like home uh, design and, and building could be in your future. W- when were those seeds planted? <laughs> uh, well, thank you for the compliment. And, uh, and, and I do believe that, that these things take a lot of time uh, to hone these skills and, um, and really learn how to become good at what you do. Uh, for me personally, um, I, I knew I wanted to do this uh, from a very, very early age. Uh, probably before I was uh, 10 years old and pursued this as, uh, as a personal interest as a child. Um, went to school specifically for architecture, studied architecture, uh, got my architectural degree, uh, worked for different architects early in my career, um, took my architectural exams, uh, became registered as an architect, and um, eventually found my way into this uh, design build sort of hands-on type of work that uh, that I find very gratifying and if, as people have told me over the years that uh, if you're really passionate about what you do uh, it, it's not a job um, and and I believe that to this day and I think you, you know you have to remain passionate you have to enjoy what you do you have to continue to invent yourself and reinvent how you do things um, and that makes life exciting because you spend a lot of time doing it. Did you have uh, Lincoln Logs or Legos? You betcha. <laughs> erector sets, Lincoln Logs. And, a, and an erector set. I did them all. <laughs> You've had some instrumental instructors along the way that actually, I think, probably helped to um, um, broaden your perspective on, on architecture. Tell us about one or two of those folks. Um, gosh, there have been there have been a number of them, um, all the way from, you know, high school shop classes um, to uh, a drafting and design class in high school that I took uh, two periods a day for for two years, um, and then design in college. Uh, there have been a number of, of professors and people who have, um, I think, not only influenced, um, but. Uh, sort of reinforced that it's the right direction to go. You had a, uh, a professor, a fellow whose name was Steve, uh, either Badanis or Badanes? This was someone who was a visiting um, professor uh, while I was in college who had a design-build company where his group actually designed things um, and then put on their tool belts and went out and, and built them with their own hands. And that, that was eye-opening for me, that an architect could actually do that, uh, almost reminiscent of uh, the master architects um, early, early in history. Um, and, and that was a bug that bit me uh, in college and very fulfilling, very gratifying uh, to actually have been able to do that. You know, I find, and, and you and I had this brief conversation off the air, um, that 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 uh, I'm in this field of media communications and marketing because it it provides a certain amount of conceptual diversity and it and it's interesting. You're in a field where, as an architect, you're exposed to a lot of different architectural styles that you then complement with similar or related, or in some cases maybe distinctly different by choice 
architectural design and then the execution of that design. Is it Was that a conscious choice on your part rather than be a home builder or a commercial architect? And Lord knows there must be many thousands of commercial architects uh, in the U.S. alone that really build square boxes without a lot of character. But you get to design stuff that has a lot of character. Yeah, the, the scale of, of what I do and, and what our company does, it's, it's a little bit smaller. There's a lot more interaction with clients. Um, and I find that you know, not starting with a blank piece of paper has its own set of challenges um, where we have something to begin with. And I like the idea that the projects uh, happen a little more quickly. I wouldn't say it's immediate gratification, but it's certainly a shorter uh, time frame of gratification. Um, I worked initially on very large projects where you could uh, be part of a small part of the project for years and never actually see it built. And I think um, this has, has helped um, the learning curve as well because the more projects you do, the more you learn from your mistakes. Well, Rick, I, I really do appreciate that you have been sharing um, a variety of perspectives on what go into making the Mosaic Group a very successful uh, design, build, remodeling, renovations uh, firm. And if anyone wants to learn more about the Mosaic Group, you can go to www.mosaicgroupatlanta.com. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, certainly um, you'll uh, be helped uh, with any initial questions, and I get the impression you'll be in good hands. Thank you again, Rick, for being on the Business Hour. Ron, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We've uh, been with Rick Goldstein, architect and co-founder of the Mosaic Group. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 a.m. on Fridays. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the radio next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.